Welcome, and thank you for joining us as we listen to the lively messages of Brother Nick Manzi, a down-to-earth pastor who communicates God's truth in understandable and practical terms as you apply the Bible to your own life. Boy, oh boy, what a great day, amen? You know, it's so wonderful to be part of a family of God because no matter where we are in this world, we are a family and we can persevere. You know, I just want to thank you guys for coming up here, uh, coming and joining us on Facebook Live or uh, watching it on the DVD. We just praise the Lord that we're still able to worship our God together, even though through this pandemic, we're separated in person. You know, the great thing to know is that no matter what we go through, God is still in control. You know, Pastor Don told us that earlier we sing it in our songs and I just want to praise the Lord that we know that through God all things are possible and part of that is being able to worship together even though we're separated you know, I remember uh, uh, my first year I began in high school, uh, I, I quickly became friends with another guy. And, uh, you know, I'm good for, for sake of keeping his name private, I just want to call him Fred. And, you know, both Fred and I, we were, we were pretty athletic. We wanted to do things for the Lord. Uh, excuse me. We wanted to do well in school, and we did uh, so well in school. We studied together. We hung out together. We became really close friends. But then in our second year of high school, things started to change. See, Fred began falling back on his work and uh, became distracted of the things of this world. And the distractions became so great in our junior year. Well, you know, Fred dropped out of school. And, uh, you know, we try to keep up with each other. We, we, we didn't have cell phones back then, so we couldn't text each other. Uh, we didn't even have, uh, well, we had beepers back then. We could contact each other that way. Uh, I'm showing my age there a little bit. But the thing was, we try to call each other and stay in contact with each other, but it just didn't really work out that well. Well, when Fred dropped out of high school, it had an interesting impact on me, though. Now, I didn't realize it at the time. I really didn't. You know, but now as I look back on things, I do. I see I became distracted in my own work. I started to rebel more and do things that I wanted to do even more so in those later years of high school. I, but I also found that I really missed his company. By my senior year, I began to even get worried about my own future. I felt that maybe I was throwing it down the toilet and doing things that I shouldn't be doing. I mean, if the, these type of worldly pleasures can make Fred drop out of school, the avenue I was leading on was going to eventually probably take me out of school as well. I mean, how could I ever hope to endure the demands and difficulties of life itself? Thankfully, the other friends and family came alongside of me and kept on encouraging me and helped me through things. And without their help, I mean, who knows where I'd be today? Now, I know that my experience in high school probably wasn't abnormal at all. I, I bet you many of you that are watching today had a very similar experience, maybe to some extent, maybe to a greater extent. But there's a lot of young people who go through that. But my point is that there's many times in our lives when it's natural to have questions and doubts about who we are, about what we're doing, and about where we're going. 
You know, one of those doubts that we might have right now is during this crisis of pandemic that we're going through, this coronavirus pandemic that is just sweeping our world. We're seeing new numbers being thrown out every day that are just staggering, that are just enormous to the point that maybe you don't know what is going to happen to you. You know, we also experience times where we're unsure of ourselves. Maybe it's our work, our families, maybe it's even church. This is one of those times that I want to encourage you and I want to encourage me to be able to make sure that we still worship our God. It's so important to make sure that we worship God during a times like this. Because just like when I was in high school and when Fred dropped out of high school, I started following a path that was leading me to destruction. Well, when we drop out of church, and I know we're forced to do so because of the coronavirus. But when we stop worshiping God, even in our own homes, we could fall just like the way I fell in high school. So I want to encourage you today that even though these times are unsettling, we desperately need to find some stability. We need to find some assurance in our lives. And that assurance comes from God himself. You know, we're going to look at Timothy today at 2 Timothy chapter 2. And you could start opening up your Bibles there if you wish. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And Timothy, well, he's this young pastor and he's been with the Apostle Paul for a number of years at this point. And he was his apprentice, his assistant. And Paul had taken a personal interest in Timothy and deliberately trained him for ministry that was to be able to come in his life. And then he later placed him even in that role of leadership. Well, at that time, uh, Paul came, at that time of this letter, Paul was arrested and he was placed in prison and he really wasn't even certain about his uh, future. As a matter of fact, he was probably certain that there was a great possibility that he would be executed for his own ministry. And Paul knew that Timothy would be concerned for him at this point, not because Paul would lose his life, although that was part of it, but because Timothy himself was about to lose a friend and a mentor. You know, Paul knew that Timothy might be feeling a little uncertain about his future and of his ability to be able to continue in ministry without Paul. And he knew that Timothy would need some uh, encouragement and stability for his life and his ministry. So Paul writes a letter to Timothy that's filled with encouragement and instruction for Timothy. He was sharing his own experiences with them, his own motivations for ministry. And hopefully Timothy could take hold of that and use it for himself. So in this letter that we're about to read, 2 Timothy chapter 2, I hope you're there. He, Paul urges Timothy not to worry about him. And so he asks him to remain firm, to be, remain committed to his ministry, regardless of the circumstances that surrounded him. So let's go ahead and read our text for this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8 and we're going to finish in verse 13. 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 13. If you're out there and you're watching, I really want to encourage you to read God's word for yourself. Open up your Bible just like if you would be at church. It's so important you read God's word because I'm man and I make mistakes. But God's word is, 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 is so true, so powerful, and it never makes mistakes. So I want you to read God's word for yourself. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 through 13. And like I always say in church, if you're there, say amen. 
Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with them, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Let's pray. Lord, Father, I just want to thank you so much for today. And I thank you for this word. And I thank you for a word that we could stand upon. So, Father, I just pray that as we just study your word, we thank you, first off, of giving us an opportunity to be able to uh, study your word together with, through DVD or Facebook Live. And, Father, I just pray that as we continue to worship you this day and through the different avenues that we have, that we do it for your glory and not for ours. Father, I just pray that you just fill us with the Holy Spirit that we might be able to learn from you so we might be able to use it in our own lives, individually and corporately. And Father, most of all, I pray that you just clear our minds and our hearts of everything happening in our lives, good, bad, and different. So the only one we're focused on right now is you. We only want to focus on you. Father, we love you. We thank you. And Father, we just praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I want you to notice in this, in this passage, it's a wonderful passage. But in verse 8, Paul starts to referring to God's grace. And it's a great way to start. He says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. See, Paul was telling Timothy and he's telling you, he's telling me that we need to remember Jesus Christ. But we don't need to remember him just once. We need to do it continuously throughout our day. See, trials and tribulations just don't happen at the beginning of the day when we get up and pray to our God. It happens throughout the whole day of, uh, of our lives and throughout every moment that, that we live. Something is going to happen. It may potentially happen right now while we're preaching or watching, watching the video. But Paul is saying that we need to remember that Jesus Christ is there for us each and every moment of our lives. He was saying that we need to keep Jesus Christ as our central focus in all things and in everything. We need to remember what, what Jesus did for us and what he did for us. But why would Paul consider this to be so important? Well, because he truly, he understood how we'll truly see how much God did for us when we know how much he suffered for us. See, it motivates us and it helps us become faithful and firm in our calling. And it gives us the, the drive to be able to continue in our everyday lives, especially in the midst of our circumstances that we go through. Even like the circumstances like we're going through today that everyone in this world is going through with the coronavirus, we know that we have Christ with us. And that's so great to know. See, Paul is proclaiming that, uh, that faith while he's standing firm in his calling. And then if you look at the end of verse 8 and going into verse 9, he says, according to my gospel for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. Now, what we need to realize here is that this was the per worst punishment at that particular time that Paul has ever endured. 
If you remember, if you read in earlier in the, in the, in the, in the, the Gospels and earlier in the, 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 the books of the Bible, you'll know that Paul was stoned to death. You'll know that he was, he was beaten, that he was imprisoned indefinitely. He was shipwrecked. And now he comes to a time where he's bound in chains to a Roman soldier and he's awaiting his own execution. But we need to notice Paul's attitude at the end of verse 9. It says, but the word of God was not chained. The word of God was not chained. See, what he's saying, what Paul's saying is, despite my limitations, despite my imprisonment, despite the fact that I might even die for what I believe, despite whether I have to stay home because of the coronavirus, despite whether I, I can go out and meet with friends or come to church and be able to fellowship together, despite the, all the things that are happening in my life, God's word is never chained. God's word is never trained. See, the truth of the gospel cannot be bound by any human chains whatsoever. It's not limited to our human frailties, and it's going to be able to continue to spread. Verse 10, look at it. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He's saying... If God can use my chains to further his message of grace, then I'm willing to suffer any kind of pain or humiliation out of the concern I have for the lost and out of the concern I have and the love I have for Jesus Christ. Now, that's not easy to say, is it? I, 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 if you're like me, you, you know, it's, it's probably pretty hard to say, especially uh, during those times of hardships and difficulties and pains and sorrows that we go through to say that I'm willing to go through all that if it helps people know Jesus Christ more. See, that type of confidence, that type of commitment comes from only understanding God's grace. That was the motivation for Paul's ministry. And it was important for Timothy to begin in the same place with his ministry. But now Paul wants to be able to encourage him. And he wants to encourage you and me that we're going to be able to get through all the challenges that, that are ahead of us. Which brings us to our foundational truth for today. It's kind of a spiritual check for us to look at. And that foundational truth is the faithfulness of God's promises. The faithfulness of God's promises. I don't know about you, but I love when I'm reading my Bible and I come to a saying like we do in verse 11. This is a faithful saying. You know, when we come across that, whenever we come across that type of wording in Scripture, you know we're able to stand on about what, on what's about to come next. We know that whatever's going to come next is absolute true because this is a faithful saying. And the next four statements that are arranged after that saying is unique and meaningful. See, many scholars believe that the next four pieces, the next four statements that are going to come, they believe that to be some sort of Christian hymn in the early days because it follows the typical Hebrew style of poetical par parallelism. 
What we see is the four if clauses followed by a balancing conclusion. If we do this, well, then the outcome will be this. See, in these statements, Paul gives us four distinct promises that provides encouragement and assurance to Timothy and to you and to me based on the faithfulness of God. The first promise that we get to see is that God will turn death into life. God will turn death into life. Look again in verse 11. It says, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. See, it's important that we understand that grammatical construction of that verse in order to be able to gain its fullest significance. Notice it doesn't say, if we die with him, we'll live with him. It doesn't say that. It says if we died with him. That's a specific action that happens in the past. A definite experience which has already taken place. See, we need to remember that Paul is speaking to Timothy and his followers. He's talking to people who are already Christians. Those who've already chosen to follow Jesus Christ. Paul was reminding them that at the exact moment a person makes the choice to become a Christian, something happens inside of them. Part of them dies. See, when we admit that we're sinners, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we identify with his death. We're saying that when Jesus died, that he died for me, just as if I died right there with him. In fact, that's part of the, the, the symbolism of a believer's baptism. It's a physical action where we see, we, we see ourselves as if we're dying with Christ when we go into water and when we come up, we're being raised into a new life. Do you remember what Romans chapter 6, verse 3, and 10, 3 through 10 says? It says, because Jesus died for us and through him we died, we have eternal life. Death no longer has any power over us. You know, many of us enjoy playing the game of Monopoly. I know I do with my family. And uh, many of us even have a favorite strategy. You know, I try to, to make sure I, I own all the properties that I want to be able to own. I stay away from certain properties. And I do this in the hopes of making the most money while playing the game of Monopoly. And as we travel around that board, occasionally we land on a space called chance. And we have to pick up a card and follow the instructions on that card. Now, I suspect that all of us that played that game have even picked up a card that says go directly to jail. Uh, do not pass go. Don't collect $200. And that's a card that we really want to avoid picking up at all costs because it results in a punishment. And that's the same reason that, that we feel tense when we land on chance. We might be fearing that we, gotta pay, pick, that we might pick up that card that says go directly to jail. But in a similar way, each of us is traveling around that game board of life. And according to the Bible, one of those squares is marked death and judgment. And all of us is going to eventually land on that square sometime or another. It's unavoidable. But as Christians, we don't have to fear landing on that space because it has no power over us. See, Christ's death, he offers us the ultimate get out of jail free card. 
But that's not all. Romans 6, 11, it tells us, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, our identification with Christ's death affects not only our future, but also our present. It affects our lives right now at this very precise time, whether you're watching it on this sermon on a DVD or through Facebook Live. It affects you right now. And since his death freed us from the power of death and sin, well, we don't have to feel weak or helpless in times of temptation because we have power and authority to be able to overcome it. When we identify with Christ's death, our motivations and our desires, well, they become purified, freeing us to be able to choose what's right, what's godly. When we do, well, the result is a life worth living. It's a life of freedom and love. See, Paul was promising Timothy that even when death seemed to be just around the corner, that he himself could rely on this promise that God will turn death into life for all those who identified with Christ. Which brings us to our second promise in our passage. God will turn obstacles into advantages. God will turn obstacles into advantages. Look at 2 Timothy 2.12. It says, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. Now we have to understand that during this time, Christians enjoyed a relative safe time. Uh, they, you know, they, they were regarded as a sect of the Jews and they were, they, they were uh, guarded under the law at the time. But things were starting to change for Christians and for Jews alike. See, Jewish leaders and zealots were becoming more and more hostile against Christians. They were starting to root them out and start looking at them as some sort of uh, fallacy, something that, was, uh, that, that they shouldn't be doing, and so they were condemning them. The Romans even were starting to demand more and more of both of the Jews and the Christians. And now the Christians were approaching this time when everyone would be required to be able to make a public, public sacrifice to the Roman gods to show allegiance and obedience to the Romans. And to refuse, well, it would mean imprisonment or even more likely death. Now, facing this, it would be very tempting for Christians to yield to these obstacles. And in doing so, they'd be evasive to their loyalty to Christ and to the church. They'd be tempted to compromise their lives. They'd be tempted to even keep up appearances while they did what they knew was wrong. Paul knew that even Timothy would be tempted to give in, to be able to bend the rules to survive. We all understand this feeling, don't we? All of us have been tempted to bend the rules some way or somehow. Maybe to snicker at an off-color joke. Maybe to cheat at work to be able to do as little as possible while getting by. Or maybe even to cheat customers to make as much money as you can while you're at work. Maybe it's to even hide your faith amongst your friends, families, or your coworkers. 
I mean, let's be honest. No one likes to be stand out, especially if you're uh, subjected to rejection or, you know, you don't want to make waves during that kind of time period. Nobody likes to be ridiculed or endure hardship. Of course, we much prefer to be able to be liked and to be accepted and blend in with the crowd. So at times when we make choices that we know are wrong, those compromise our principles. We don't like doing it, but maybe we defend ourselves during that time period, saying it's necessary to be able to survive in today's world. But Paul was telling Timothy something completely different here. He was saying that some things are more important than survival. Some things are more important than survival. Being faithful to God is more important than keeping up your appearances. Being godly is much more important than being comfortable. Being honest and truthful is much more important than having a job. See, being loyal to God is much more important than even staying alive. You and I, we need to recognize that there are going to be obstacles in life. There are going to be difficulties and temptations. Gosh, we're going through one right now through this coronavirus. It's easy to say that we'll worship God while we're separated. But when Sunday comes, it's easier to go on with your day as normal since we're not gathering here at church. But see, we're called to continue to worship our God, even through all this, even through all the stuff that we're going through with this coronavirus, being separated, being quarantined. We're still called to worship our God. And sure, there are going to be people that misunderstand you and ridicule you. Oh, your pastor's never going to know if you're on Facebook Live or you watch it on DVD. But it's not about me, is it? It's about your relationship with God. We need to be faithful to him. See, what's important is that we stand firm and that we remain faithful and that we stay true to God through thick and through thin. See, God will turn those obstacles into advantages and the end result will be far greater than you can ever imagine. So we need to keep on enduring right up to the very end. And God will reward your faithfulness with eternal joy and with blessings. And boy, boy, I promise you it's going to be well worth it. Which brings us to our third promise. God will turn denial into loss. God will turn denial into loss. Now, we don't like to talk about this one very much. We, we prefer to talk more about God's love and his mercy and his grace. And in fact, I'll tell you what, God would rather talk about his mercy and grace and love more than everything else. See, but the problem is God created us as a thinking people. Those with a choice of free will. And he didn't, he didn't create us as robots because he wanted to create us to be someone to have a relationship with him. And the Bible tells us that God created us in his image. And he created us with the ability to have relationships with him and with each other. Part of that package is having the freedom of choice. See, as long as Adam and Eve obeyed God, they experienced his love all the time. But the moment they sinned, 
they had to relate to God's other attributes, his righteousness, his holiness, his justice, and more importantly, most importantly, his hatred of sin. And now, because of what their choice was, you and I live with their consequences. But the good news is that through Jesus Christ, we can receive God's love and mercy and grace as we make a choice to personally accept him as our Savior and Lord. So as we obey God, we continue to enjoy peace and fellowship with him. But however, just as we have the right to accept Jesus Christ, we also have the right to reject Christ, to deliberately turn our backs on him. And Paul shared the consequences of that choice. Look at the second part of 2 Timothy 2.12. It says, if we deny him, he will also deny us. That's harsh, isn't it? That's a serious warning that, that Paul is giving us, that God is giving us through Paul here. See, we cannot reject Christ without being rejected ourselves. Now, before we gloss over what Paul is saying with that verse, let's turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 and 38. If you don't have, if you can't keep up, write it down, look at it later. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 and 38. It says, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. See, Paul wasn't making this up. He was quoting the words and the thoughts of Jesus Christ himself. There are consequences when we deny Jesus in our lives. When we, and what happens is we put our relationship with God in jeopardy. And I want to emphasize, this is a deliberate choice now. You can't do this by accident. This is an intentional act in, of our will. So why was Paul being so strong? Well, so that Timothy and his followers, so that you and I, that we'll understand that we couldn't be tempted and ride the fence. He wants us to be able to understand the nature of God's grace because his grace is not so trivial that we can abuse it. But neither is it so tenuous that we can lose it. And that's an important balance to understand. God will turn death into life. God will turn obstacles into advantages. But he'll also turn denial into loss. Here's our fourth promise that we receive from our passage. God will turn doubt into assurance. God will turn doubt into assurance. They knew that there were likely to be times of weaknesses and doubt. It's when things become difficult and uncertain and they would begin to question their faith in God and their ability to cope with life itself. Well, what happens when our faith is weak and our doubt is strong? Well, Paul gives us the answer in verse 13 of our text. If we are faithless, he remains faithful he cannot deny himself. What a promise, isn't that? God's faithfulness is eternal. It's part of his unchanging character. He knows our hearts and, his, and our desires, but yet he can still see past our hurt, our pain, our sorrow, the questions that we have, and he looks right directly into our hearts to see what's inside. And what he does, 
He, re he responds in love and peace. He answers questions for us. He eases our doubts and he gently restores us to, uh, restores us to himself. See, when we're filled with doubt and uncertainty, we can be assured that his love and care continues to surround us. And no matter what happens, listen to this, write this down. God will never give up on you. God will never give up on you. I'm sorry to say, I've given up on people. I know people have given up on me. But there's one thing I can be assured of. God will never give up on you. So when we have doubt that of what's going to happen during this time of pandemic, what's going to happen with this coronavirus in our lives, know that even though we have some doubt, God is faithful. You know, there's a Max Licato book. I love Max Licato. And, and uh, he has a book called Six Hours, One Friday. And then it has a passage that speaks of God's faithfulness. And I want to share it to you as we start to close. Though God's people often forgot their God, God didn't forget them. He kept his word. God didn't give up. He never gives up. When Joseph was dropped into a pit by his brothers, God didn't give up. When Moses said, here I am, send Aaron, God didn't give up. When Aaron was making a false god at the very moment that Moses was with, with the true God, God didn't give up. When only two of the ten spies thought the Creator was powerful enough to deliver the created, God didn't give up. When Samson whispered to Deliah, when Saul roared after David, when David schemed after Uriah, God didn't give up. When God's word lay forgotten and man's idol stood glistening, God didn't give up. When the children of Israel were taken into captivity, God didn't give up. He could have given up. He could have turned his back. He could have walked away from the wretched mess, but he didn't. He didn't give up. When he became flesh and was a victim of an assassination attempt before he was two years old, he didn't give up. When the people from his own hometown tried to push him over a cliff, he didn't give up. When his brothers ridiculed him, he didn't give up. When he was accused of blaspheming God by people who didn't fear God, he didn't give up. When Peter worshipped him at the supper and cursed him at the fire, he didn't give up. When people spat on his face, he didn't spit back. When bystanders slapped him, he didn't slap them. When a, when a whip ripped his side, he didn't turn and command the awaiting angels to stuff that whip down the soldier's throat. And when human hands fastened the divine hands to a cross with spikes, it wasn't the soldiers who held the, the, the hands of Jesus steady. It was God who held them steady. So the next time that doubt, that obnoxious neighbor walks in, escort him out, out to the hill, out to Calvary, out to the cross where with holy blood, he wrote the promise. God would give up his only son before he give up on you. It's not strange or abnormal to be able to experience times of questioning or doubt. In fact, it's very natural. And in this very personal letter, Paul wanted to reassure Timothy that although tough times would come, 
where he would question his faith and even his ministry, God would help him get through because God is faithful. But the same is true with you and me. I know we don't know what's going to happen with this coronavirus. We don't know how many more are going to be infected with the COVID-19. But we do know that as long as we're quarantined in, in our homes and as long as those the empty aisles of TP are there, we still can be encouraged in what we know is trustworthy. And Paul gave us four things that are faithful and true. God will turn death into life. God will turn obstacles into advantages. God will turn denial into loss. And God will turn doubt into assurance. See, that's the faithfulness of God's promises. And those are promises that you and I can stand upon today and forevermore. And I promise that through this, whatever it is you're going through in your life, we can persevere. You know, maybe you're watching today. Maybe you're watching it live on Facebook. Maybe you are uh, watching the video on Facebook later on today. Maybe you're watching it on DVD. Wherever you are watching this, maybe you're going through a problem in your life right now. Well, I want you to know that you too can persevere through that. Whatever it is, because God is faithful. Know that God is with you every step of your way. And all you need to do is turn to him. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, Father, I just want to thank you so much for today. And I thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be able to be with you and to be able to know that you are a strong God, a faithful God. And no matter what we go through, you will endure through all of our hardships because we can stand upon your word. So, Father, as we are separated but still together through the blood of Jesus Christ, Father, I just pray that you be with us and help us through this challenging time. Help us understand that even though we have a lot of different things happening with the coronavirus, that we know that through you that we're still together. Father, through you we can have peace. And through you, let us know that we can be able to be a son or a daughter of yours. Father, we just praise you for this time and we thank you for this time. May your day be glorified with everything we say and do from what we learned today. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May God bless you and may you have a wonderful day. Praise him and only him. Amen. Nick Manzi is Senior Pastor of Central Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. If you want more information about the church, or if you're ready to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, contact Brother Nick at PastorNickCentralBaptistPSL at gmail.com. God bless you as you go about the rest of your day, and thank you for listening and sharing our podcast. Mm-hmm.